I'm Ariane Elfant, and this is Death the Podcast. Death may be defined as the destruction or permanent end of something. At Death the Podcast, we are looking closely at what happens when something ends. We listen, learn about, and discuss the stories that surround the subject of death. These stories bring up much more than feelings of fear and sadness. They offer opportunities for connection, for hope, and sometimes even for humor. Ultimately, if we are open to exploring death, we create greater potential to experience life. Born and raised in New Orleans, Robert Perrin began photographing cemeteries in 1966. Bob's pictures have been called pensive and psychological. They have a dreamlike quality to them. The images, sometimes a tomb, sometimes a statuary, sometimes a headstone, are striking. The use of light and angle and shadow are remarkable. But when taking in Bob's pictures, one is also filled with associations that are deeply personal and quite moving. Bob's professional history includes a long career as a cinematographer for the BBC. He has worked for most of the major networks and has done everything from full-length documentaries to news-based segments. Bob has been nominated at Cannes, the New York Film Festival, and he won an Emmy for Best Cinematography in 1999 for the film The Farm, Life Inside Angola Prison. We at Death the Podcast are so honored to have Bob join us to talk about how and why photographing in cemeteries has become a pivotal part of his personal and professional life. His ability to capture in photographs what can be beautiful about death makes him a perfect guest for our show. Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Well, I um, read the quarterly newsletter piece about your photographs. Mm -hmm. um, a survey of your work entitled Sealed Forever. And Benjamin Morris, who wrote the article, describes your work this way, which I liked. Shooting with a poet's eye, Perrin seeks to illuminate the mysteries of death, not by answering our questions about them, but by allowing our questions to be answered in a more numinous light. My question to you is, what are your personal views of the mysteries of death? Well, <laughs> I tell you... Um... That's a great question. We all want to know about that. Um, of the thousands of photographs that I've taken at all these local cemeteries, um, my conclusion is that it remains a blank page, that I don't, I don't have any, uh, any answers to that. I think that when we die, that's it. I, I don't think there's anything else that really happens. We're gone. Um, that's what I've learned about it. But I like the artistry in the cemeteries, what people leave at the cemetery, whether it's flowers or a teddy bear or whatever it is. I... I, I can't find any answers. And, and I don't go for the answers, I don't think. It doesn't sound like that's what you're searching no, for. No, but, well, I, I do look for answers, but it, it just really, I may not understand the answer, even if it's in front of me. It's just, it's just too overwhelming to uh, think that way. If we knew the answer, if, it, if the answer is right in front of us, then I don't think any of us have already grasped 
that in any kind of meaningful way. Like it's going to remain a mystery. And that's what's so interesting about it because you don't know how it ends. Tell us how your interest in death came to be. Well, I, I guess we'll start with, um, I guess I was a teenager. Um, and we started um, riding our bicycles. We went down to the Gerard Street Cemetery. And that's where the cemetery, uh, Superdome is built. And so uh, there are two or three, four of us, and um, we'd just wander around, and the place was in a total state of decay with skulls thrown around and lots of people coming in there and trash and beer cans and so on. So, But at the same time, it was a frightening place for teenage boys, and of course we all scared one another. And um, and then we left. So didn't take any photographs then, but that's how my interest got started. So what do you think about that stayed with you? Because it stayed with yeah, you. Yeah, that's always stayed with me. And um, it, it was interesting, exciting. It was fun to do. And it was a beautiful place also at the same time. So tell me about that part, the beautiful part. It was just a beautiful place, and looking at what was left of the tombs was like a little Joseph Cornell box. Mm -hmm. And um, from that was interesting to me, and it still is, and even more so now. Um, I go to a lot of different cemeteries in the city. Uh, I love to go to Holt. Cemetery, which is the African American cemetery near Delgado, and uh, it's a fantastic place. And I, it's a little difference between white cemeteries and black cemeteries. What are the differences you know? Well, I think in in Holt Cemetery in particular, um, there's a lot of flags and a lot of different colors, and there's a lot of really just visual images that make it a little more exciting than, say, the particular white burial grounds. What have you seen in the inside of tombs? What is that like? Uh, the inside of tombs, and well, recently they've sort of renovated a lot of these cemeteries and mm -hmm. put fences around them. Uh, prior to that, in several of the cemeteries that were open, tombs, wall tombs, wall vaults, uh, where you would see legs poking out of cemeteries and feet. You would occasionally see just mysterious bones that I, I didn't know what they really were. Um, and then it got to a point where I would go to where the trash was, where the dumpster was. There was always interesting things in the dumpsters <laughs> and that didn't get completely thrown into the dumpster. There's one particular photograph I was thinking about. Is there was a hand in a glove, and there was a little flower growing out near the hand in the glove. And, but there were also bones where the hand was just barely 
touching the bones but not touching them. So it's a really poignant photograph. Mm-hmm. And I've been looking in uh, cemetery trash bins for a long time now <laughs> after that, but I haven't been uh, – it hasn't been so exciting as that particular photograph. Does that photograph have a name? Uh, I just called it hand and glove and mm-hmm. don't leave home without them, something like that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it does mean a lot to me because it, it, it talks about rebirth, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, and, mm-hmm. and just the disregard for human remains which it's difficult to deal with. Yeah. And and are you alone when cuz I'm thinking about I'm thinking about like having the experience of seeing something like that and then photographing it and wondering where where you are as a person in that are you by yourself or how are you feeling? So I like to go alone mm-hmm. and I, I like to I like the feeling of being alone in a cemetery. And I love to see people putting flowers on plots and on tombs and so on. And I'll, I will talk to them about that. I'll say, how often do you come here, you know, because no one really visits cemeteries very often. Um, people come and go, um, but most of them, you just walk right by you don't know who it is you wonder about it i it just really affects me in that sort of way that this is really really the end what i like about it is just the art of it also and you do see so many things at grave sites um, one popular thing is you'll see, especially in some of the African-American cemeteries, you'll see baby dolls and teddy bears, and um, you see a lot of handmade things like colorful wreaths and flags, and these humongous hearts um, that uh, they put up on a tripod-looking, you know, just a holder. And... These things just make great photographs, and there, um, there was one with a heart with that you put flowers into, and all the flowers have disappeared, and you just see this heart with little sticks poking out all throughout the heart. And it's 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 just uh, it's just talking about death. Those photographs are just like, well, this is it. It's living is no more, and everything that you put onto these cemeteries, they're dying too. Mm-hmm. I'm tempted to do some things that I haven't done before, and that's go to a cemetery while a burial is taking place. But I really have to make sure that it's okay for me to do that. Mm-hmm. But I think that could be another aspect of the way I approach these photographs. Well, there is something looking at your photographs that feels incredibly private, like you ha- are documenting something incredibly private. At least that's something that came up for me. Well, I think so. I think you're absolutely uh, correct about that. Um, 
And when I'm alone taking these photographs, it is a private thing. Mm-hmm. Has your perspective about death changed as you've aged? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I remember when I was young and uh, had an uncle that passed on, my mother and father said, do you want to go to the cemetery to see Uncle Bob um, being buried? I said, no, I don't. And I guess I was a teenager at the time, so I didn't want to see that. And then I had uh, someone else who had died in the family. Oh, do you want to go see your grandmother's being buried? No, I don't think so. And nor did they say, look, you have to go to this, you have to go to the funeral. But anyway, I I didn't want to go because there was something, like, scary about it. Mm -hmm. But um, now I just had a friend of mine who died suddenly. He was a good friend. He was very funny and amusing. And... um, and we all miss him. So it has changed a little since then. I don't mind going to funerals now, uh, especially for friends. Um, I think of um, my wife who's ill uh, with dementia or Alzheimer's. Um, My own impending death is nearby. I have prostate cancer, so I deal with that and think about that and try and figure it out. Like, what should I do with prostate cancer? Um, It's not an easy decision. And so I've lived with that for, I don't know, 10, 10 years. Doctors keep saying, you have to do something. You have to get this fixed while we can do it. I just can't go there. In other words, I'm not getting any radiation. I'm not getting my prostate removed. It sounds like you're very conscious of making a decision not to maybe take what would be medically recommended. Um. I think that's exactly right. <laughs> uh, uh, the, uh, there is a physician that says, Bob, you have to get this prostate removed. And uh, I said, oh, I just don't want to do that. <laughs> I, I don't, and I really can't explain it. I have no logical reason for not wanting to get my prostate removed. But... Um, uh, so I went to see an on, another oncologist, and uh, I spoke to her about radiation. And this is the second time I've spoken to a physician about radiation. And um, so I, she said something really important to me. She says, look, Bob, if you have your prostate removed or if you get this radiation performed, it doesn't mean that that's going to increase your lifespan. That's pretty important to me. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that. There are no stats that say, oh, because you have radiation, you're going to live longer. But anyway, there are lots of problems with that. And um, 
I still haven't. I guess the decision can still be made this time enough so that I can change my mind. But you're, but as you're explaining it, I'm realizing you're not blindly saying, no, I'm not going to get treatment. You've actually collected some information that's pretty compelling. No, it is compelling. I, when when someone says, look, you're not, you know, look, the first urologist told me, look, Bob, you have prostate cancer. Well, it was really disappointing. Made me very, very unhappy. He said, but you may die of something else before you die of prostate cancer. And I said, God, that's what I want to hear. That's great. (laughs) So, and really that's sort of been my decision from Mm -hmm. that point on. But I think living with that, it's it's okay. I mean, I think I do think about it, and I think, well, shouldn't I do what these people say so that I could get well? It's not like your prostate causes you any pain, and sometimes the attempts at curing it really have some bad effects, mm-hmm. very negative effects, which um, I don't want to go through with. So it's that's sort of frightening too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're you're balancing a lot, and it uh, is. It's a tightrope, mm-hmm. isn't it? And then, and then it sounds like you're you're watching your wife decline as yeah. all this is going on. And that's uh, that's really not good. Uh, she can't talk anymore. She can't feed herself. So you live with that. So you're living with a lot, and yeah. and then you're photographing in cemeteries. You know, a lot of poets have written about death, of course. Um, the one I like is, man is in love and loves what vanishes. It's pretty important, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Really important. And we do. We love what disappears, including ourselves. Scary, isn't it? Well, kind of beautiful, too. Yeah, it is beautiful. So, speaking of beautiful, um, one of your pictures is entitled Shadow Cross, um, with your shadow looming over. Oh, yes. Can you tell me about that picture? I can try and tell you about that photograph. Um, Early in the morning, early, early before the sun was rising, um, just wandering around in there. The gates were open to the cemetery. Um, And then these long shadows started, and it's a shadow of me. And... um, The shadow ended up in a tomb, the top of the shadow. It was really a long, long stretch. The The shadow is huge because of the way the sun was. And it was just too good to pass up photographically. Um, and, and it was me, and you that kind of bothered me printing the photograph that bothered me, like, man, 
but <laughs> it bothered me so much that I thought that I should print that and make a big print of it, so I did. But I don't know really what to say about that. I guess you'd look at it and you say, well, that's you, and you're in a cemetery, and your head, the shadow of your head, is right in that tomb. It's a frightening photograph. Tell me what frightened or bothered you. Well, it's your own death that that you're, you know, potentially it's your own death that you're looking at. And like I say, it, it's a blank page. I don't know what, what's going to happen, <laughs> but it, it's interesting to, uh, trying to find out. You know, I, always think about fate and destiny, and then you have to put faith in there too, right? Don't you? Um, destiny, you know, that's not a good word, is it? Destiny. There's a lot of bad things happen with destiny. And then fate, well, fate's not too good either. Are you going to have a bad fate? Oh, that's, that's not good. What about faith? Well, faith is the best choice, isn't it? Tell me what you like about faith. Well, it gives you uh, the potential for continuing. And, um, but that may be false. That could be false. Well, we get back to the we don't know part. We get back to the blank page. Can we take a minute and go over a few more of your photographs? So this is a photograph of an urn with that um, little infinity symbol on the urn. And this is in Houma, Louisiana, and it's an, an African-American cemetery. And coming out of the urn is Spider-Man. And everything was, I mean, that attracts me because someone, I, I, I guess it was a young person that got buried there, and uh, so they wanted to leave his little toys with him to visit the next, next piece of wherever he's going. And then there's another photograph that sort of goes with that. And on the top of the tomb, which is about four feet high, there's little soldiers in a whole battle scene with little soldiers and tanks and <laughs> Spider-Man. And it's just, it's just that unexpected things that you see in these cemeteries. I mean, it's just fantastic stuff. It is fantastic. It really, really is. I mean, and it's, I guess that's an expression of love. Mm hmm And there's something so out of place about seeing a toy oh. Spider-Man coming out of an urn. Um, <laughs> you just don't, you don't see that. And then uh, some of the urns that I see, they're cracked open. And someone once told me, or maybe I imagine this, that that's where the souls escape, is from the urns. Hmm. Interesting. 
um, my own death. Um, that'll happen. I'm okay with it. I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. We all do it. We do two things. We get two things that happen only once, and that's birth and death. Two things, that's it. It just gets me back to another photograph. I, t I tell you one of the, I shot a close-up. You know, they have the year that you're born and the year that you died. And it's just a close-up in this stone that just says born and died. That's all it says. And it's what it's all about. It's what happens in between, which is interesting. But it said it all to me. Born, died. That does say a lot. It says a lot. I feel like there's a lot of a lot of beauty in what you just shared, and they're and they're they are really stirring, um, and not just coming from a sad place, but a place of um, right. question and right. and really like l life, because um, of course they're very alive. I all your pictures have a lot of life. I in them. think it's great entertainment myself. <laughs> <laughs> The word death evokes all sorts of personal feelings, images, and stories. These stories are amazing, and sharing them connects us more fully to life. I'm Ariane Elfant, and you have been listening to Death, the podcast. Join us for our next episode in this series. This show is produced and engineered by Eric Bernal. Our associate producer is Jill Gross. Our theme music, It Happened, is written by David Milling and is performed by David Milling and Charles Milling. To hear more of David's music, go to his website, davidmilling.com. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher or some other podcast app, if you can take a moment to rate and review us, that helps other people find us. You can find Death the Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram or at deaththepodcast.com. Death the Podcast is a production of INO Broadcasting. Labor Day signals the unofficial end of summer, but not the end of your outdoor projects. Lowe's helps you do it right and helps you save with Labor Day deals throughout the store. Shop now and get two bags of Stay Green Potty Mix for $12. And keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a Craftsman 2-Cycle 17-inch gas string trimmer now $20 off at just $119. Whatever's still on your to-do list this Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. 
Offers valid through 828. Soil offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii. U.S. only. 